Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today is another bite-sized episode and I want to talk about quasi-recovery. So quasi-recovery can be that place where you feel that you are stuck between the depths of an eating disorder but you don't feel that you are sort of fully out the other end, you're in that kind of middle ground. So maybe you've already done some promising recovery work, you've done some weight restoration if needed, you've stopped binge eating or restricting or chewing and spitting, maybe you've let go of some destructive eating disorder behaviours and in so many ways you're much more relaxed around food but you are still feeling a bit stuck. Maybe as well you're not feeling the liberation and freedom that those social media accounts supposedly you know, promise because we see these things online, don't we, where people are sort of promising food freedom once you eat all your forbidden foods and off you go into the sunset and everything will be great. But perhaps you just feel like you're not at that place yet. You're still quite preoccupied with food. You find yourself sometimes using food to soothe, perhaps a bit more than you'd like to. And there's nothing wrong with using food to soothe, but I guess if you're relying on it, if you're relying on it as your number one source of soothing and pleasure, then it can be problematic. It's good to have a range of strategies, including food. Maybe as well, you don't feel as though you found your sort of happy place with weight and body image. And I think this definitely takes time, but I think often as well, if you are recovering, maybe from anorexia nervosa you've often been given maybe like a target weight but that is not always necessarily where your body is happy and where your sort of you know natural set point is if you've been struggling with binge eating or bulimia you might find that your weight has fluctuated so much you just don't really know where your body is happy and um, you can just feel a bit at sea with it all and feel that you haven't found that peaceful place and maybe that you generally feel that your self-esteem is just a bit shaky You know, you feel like now you're kind of almost in this kind of limbo place where you are not fully in the eating disorder, but you're not fully recovered and it's really, really uncomfortable. And I think this can be a really difficult time as well, quasi-recovery, because of when you're in the depths of an eating disorder, often as well, people around you understand that you're unwell and maybe they're going to be kind of more understanding and give you support and you can feel less alone. Um, And obviously, if you're at the other end of an eating disorder, hopefully you're living your best life and off and doing stuff that's really meaningful and joyful to you etc and leading life but sometimes when you have in that quasi-recovered place in your head you can still feel extremely preoccupied with food not really at peace with food but you may look a lot better so people around you might assume that everything is well so it can be a very sort of lonely place to be so I think what's important to say is that To be in quasi-recovery, you've already made a very significant step along the recovery road. So do not discount this progress you've made. You're just not quite there yet. And this in-between stage might take a little bit of time. So it's really important to be patient and go with it. You know, it's almost like we can't shortcut to the full recovery at the end. You know, sometimes we need to be in quasi-recovery for a bit. And it can almost be a valuable stepping stone to get you towards that end point. 
So it's really important to acknowledge the progress you've made and to be pleased with how far you've come. And you might feel very tempted sometimes to want to go back to the safety of the eating disorder. But actually, I just want to say to you, like, hang on in there, you know, because quasar recovery can be a great platform to get you to where you really want to go. So I want to going to talk about three things that may be keeping you a bit stuck in quasar recovery and maybe how you can work on these things to help you move forward into a more flourishing and well fully well place okay and these are just some some thoughts it might be true for some of you might not be true for all of you so I guess again as with all my podcast episodes take what is helpful and do not take what is unhelpful for you so number one you're still spinning too fast. Now, I think it's a very, very common thing that if you had an eating disorder, you are commonly in fight flight or sort of striving modes. So you're either quite fueled by anxiety, busy, 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 busy all the time, very fear-based kind of living, or you're just constantly doing. You are a human doing rather than a human being. So, Often when we're in those kind of states, it means that we're not often accessing the self-soothe, calm, relaxed, content place. And historically, you may have relied on food or over-exercise, restriction, binging, chewing and spitting, over-exercise, other maladaptive coping strategies to almost try and shortcut to the self-soothe place. Now, as you're coming out of the eating disorder, you will probably not have yet a whole range of strategies to self-soothe in more constructive ways. You might be starting to implement more helpful strategies, but you probably don't feel that you've got a firm footing with this. And also very commonly, ultimately you might be just spinning too fast on the hamster wheel of life. So if you're striving, doing, achieving, not doing much resting, you have very little time to contemplate or consider if you're spinning in an aligned direction that's really sort of in tune with your values and where you want to be going. And this can mean as well that, you know, you're possibly not feeling fulfilled with the way you're spending your precious time. And it might mean that, because, you know, I think if you come out of an eating disorder, there's a bit of a void there in a way, and it's gonna take time to replace what the eating disorder filled. And to begin with, it's a bit of a kind of limbo place and they're not gonna, you're not gonna have sort of strategies and relationships and things readily available to fill that void. And it can just feel really, really tricky. And it's very easy when you're in this phase as well to perhaps be super, super busy, filling your life with lots of different things, but the things that you're filling your life with may not be fully aligned with your values and you may just be exhausting yourself and burning yourself out. And it might mean that when you do have any sort of spare energy or time, that you do have a bit of a lingering preoccupation with food, um, even if it's significantly diluted from your previous intense preoccupation. So this lingering preoccupation with food and body image might be filling that void or underlying sort of dissatisfaction. And it's also very safe and familiar and known to you. You know, focusing on food, body image, it can just feel very safe. It's a familiar thing to have to worry about, to focus on, maybe then focusing on some of the other things in life. So if you recognize yourself here, begin to build in pockets of slowing down and being more present. And this can feel really scary at first, particularly if you are someone who thrives on being super busy. So I think you just have to start with really small increments, maybe five minutes. And when you take 
a bit of time to slow down. Try to do nothing in those moments, you know, or engage in something that you can do in quite a mindless way that can give your brain and your mind a chance to relax, a chance to slow down and feel a bit of peace. So it might be going for a walk, doing some coloring, laying and resting on your bed, maybe driving in silence or listening to music that's not like massively distracting. Anything that allows you, your mind to wander and for you to be able to just like think and touch base with yourself. So when you do this as well, you can just start to gently reflect on how you're feeling about different areas of your life, your relationships, your work, your study, your hobbies. How do you really feel about these different areas? And if you find that you're out of alignment with yourself, create some baby steps to shift things very gradually in a different direction. I want to say with you as well, this is a process that takes time. When you're coming out of an eating disorder, you can't just suddenly kind of overhaul everything and land and feel completely peaceful and content with that. You know, you're almost kind of having to reconstruct your identity, rebuild your life and you know, but it can be exciting and inspiring and hopeful. But the important thing is that you do this in really, really baby steps so it doesn't feel too overwhelming and it can feel manageable. And people can support you on this journey too. So that's the first one, daring to slow down, be more present and daring to go inwards and just noticing like, how do you feel about different areas of your life? And starting to think about, you know, what might you like to be thinking about? What would you like to change? How can you start with all of this? Okay, the next thing that may be keeping you in quasi-recovery is mental restriction of food. So if you've dieted for a long time, then you're probably and so understandably going to have that hangover of the good and bad food mindset. And you may have worked and be working really, really hard to embrace perhaps intuitive eating principles and to permit all the foods without guilt. However, understandably, this is going to be more challenging to put into practice than you realize because of you've probably been living by the old way for a very long time and you have quite deep rooted beliefs around food. So it's so normal. And if you've had a belief system around food in place for many years, of course it's tricky to overhaul this overnight and to find genuine peace and tranquility around food. It is possible though. You may find yourself permitting in foods, kind of, but then also chastising yourself with a severe dose of judgment and guilt afterwards. This then leads to a slightly all or nothing response with eating and also you're much more likely to self-sabotage. And because you don't really feel that you can enjoy these foods, you might find it challenging to eat them peacefully. You might go past the point of fullness or just feel at sea with your body. So, of course, what's really helpful is to work towards 100% genuine permission to eat all foods. However, to do this, I think it's really hard to jump from an eating disorder or disordered eating into an intuitive eating place overnight. And things like regular eating, stabilizing blood sugar, actually having more structure around your eating can be a really, really helpful in-between step. Because I think if you don't have that in-between step, sometimes it's just too much too soon. And actually, if you're doing the regular eating, if you're having 
blood sugar um, stability as well. You've also almost got like a baseline, a sort of scaffolding around your eating to work with. So I would say to you as well, when you start to reintroduce old forbidden foods, you need to probably plan in these with structure, maybe some ceremony, so sitting down at a table to eat, eating them very mindfully, possibly having some support or accountability and introducing them one at a time. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to introduce every food one food at a time. You know, obviously you've got to do what works for you and you might find that you're a bit more relaxed and actually you can be a bit, you can sort of do it a bit quicker than that. But I think it's really helpful just to give yourself permission to do it very slowly so you can adjust your comfort zone and get comfortable with one food before you do the next one. Eating spontaneously or at the cupboard door or, you know, just on in a very relaxed way is the goal to work on for the longer term. But if you jump into this too early on, after having a chaotic relationship with food, it can just be a bit overwhelming. And you might find it as well really hard to regulate your hunger and fullness cues. And I think people will often say that when they first start to embrace intuitive eating that they feel that they just want to eat cake or whatever or pizza or whatever it is they've deprived themselves of all day long and that is very sort of normal like if you've deprived yourself you're going to have a bit of a backlash in the short term but um yeah again i just think you need to take your time engage with the long game you can introduce and find peace with a lot of different foods if you work on it slowly and I think people will often say to me, I'm not restricting, I don't have any food rules, I am really permitting myself to have all the foods. But when I delve a bit deeper, actually, every time maybe they allow themselves the pizza or the chocolate or the cake, or whatever it is that they were depriving themselves of, there's so much guilt and judgment there that actually that the thinking process around the food creates um, a lot of anxiety and then self-sabotage, self-punishment. And, um, and then it's really hard as well with all the anxiety around food to be sort of in touch with hunger and fullness, etc. So notice if you're mentally restricting, do you have any kind of lingering rules around food? Because you may not be dieting in the way that you were before, but you may still have rules in place that are almost kind of putting you in a place where you're feeling mentally restricted so really sort of reflect on that and um, also think about how you're talking to yourself when you're eating certain foods are you genuinely allowing the foods with choice and permission and freedom or are you kind of allowing yourself them but then you're giving yourself a really hard time afterwards so these can be things to look out for because um it's going to really get in the way of you being able to just be more peaceful and relaxed around food. But this process takes time and it's really important to be kind and considerate and patient with yourself in all of it. Okay, so the third part that could be keeping you stuck in quasi-recovery is the identity piece. So if you've had an eating disorder, your full and flourishing identity has probably been stunted, limited, and not allowed its full growth. And as much as you dislike the eating disorder, it's probably given you safety, stability, and it's very familiar, a bit like a toxic friend. You may not know who you are without it, and it might be leaving a bit of a void. So I'm just watching the cat here. Bruce is stalking around the bedroom and thinking about 
climbing in a drawer. <laughs> so how do you begin to build your identity after coming out of an eating disorder? Well, going back to my point one, one of the most important things to be able to do, a few me hours in the background, is slowing down. And because of, if you don't slow down and start to go inwards and start to notice, you know, your thoughts and feelings about different things, you start to get to know yourself again, know what's important to you. Um, it's really, really hard to get a foothold on the identity side of things. So I'm just going to give you a few little tips if you feel like you're really, really struggling with your identity. So the cat is now clawing the carpet. <laughs> so number one is think about who in your life inspires you and it doesn't have to be necessarily people you know it could be um, someone famous it could be an author it could be a fictional character it could be someone in a film and you can be inspired by someone without actually wanting to be them you know I know there's certain people that in the world who I might look up to and might be inspired by their creativity or aspects of their character or aspects of their work but I wouldn't necessarily want to be them but just by noticing what I get inspired by what excites me what makes me feel uplifted and um, you know gives me that kind of energetic burst almost that is a clue I guess the things that are important to me and perhaps things that I might want to develop and create as part of my identity. So when you look at people who inspire you, it will give you an insight into your personal values because you'll be drawn magnetically towards other share, others who share similar beliefs and principles. Now, of course, no one person will share your identical values, but you can gain insight into yourself as you reflect on aspects of their character which ring true for you. The next part of the identity piece is thinking back to your early life. Now, if you think back to when you're around 10 or 11 years old, now I often think this is a great time in your life, not for everybody, but I'm just saying for hopefully some of you listening, this can be a time before you feel so socially conscious where you're much more just kind of being yourself, where you're hopefully a lot more free, hopefully if you've been fortunate enough to have a bit more of a free childhood. Around this age, it can give you a clue into kind of your true self really, your likes and dislikes, the things that used to fill you up with joy. Now, if this is true for you, think back to that time, what did you enjoy doing? What brought you authentic joy and happiness? And how did you spend your time? Now, conversely, if you had a very difficult childhood, if you experienced early trauma or abuse, or maybe you were a young carer, maybe you were sort of like an adult child where you didn't really have a free childhood, where you had to take on a lot of responsibility for other people, you might not have any kind of memories like that because of you would have really been in survival mode. So that when you've had that experience, of course, it's much more challenging really to think about your identity because if you probably never really had a chance to think about who you really are, what you really like doing, what your kind of needs and wants are, what inspires you, what lifts you up. Um, so you might be having to do that for the very first time and that can feel a bit scary and it can feel a bit overwhelming because you might feel like I have no idea where to start. But again, 
this is not something you have to solve overnight. And it's almost like a kind of creative experiment. You know, maybe you're going to dip your toe in the water and try different things, experiment, you know, with different, I don't know, looks or hobbies or, um, you know, things that you can learn about, read about. You know, you're almost like exploring for the very first time what are your likes and dislikes, your personal tastes and preferences. And this can just be a journey of real sort of joy and exploration. And you can just really take it very slowly at your own pace. But I think the really important thing is like giving yourself permission in a way to be able to engage with things that really light you up and naturally interest you and bring you joy. And this is not what you feel you should do to fit in with your friends or society or whatever. It's about what you genuinely like. You know, and um, yeah, because it can be quite an exciting time. Um, also a bit scary, but just do it in baby, baby steps. Um, meow from Bruce again, approving of anyone on that journey. <laughs> okay, and the last bit is just daring to dream. So consider your life ahead and the experiences that you'd like to have. Now, if you've been in an eating disorder, you may have a very sort of fear-based approach to things and you might be very anxious about thinking about just being more free and dreaming and thinking about possibilities or even believing that's possible for you. But just having some hopes and dreams can be so helpful. It can just open up possibilities, open up our minds to different experiences and things that could open up for us. So what will be important to you as you look back on your life as an old person in many years to come? What are your key values? Dare to dream and try to put aside the how, how you're going to do it in creating these experiences, rather allowing your imagination and creativity to access possibilities. So take some baby steps to explore some avenues, putting little pressure on the outcome but rather seeing the experience as a creative and exciting journey. You can do it. And it's all a learning processes, a learning process even. <laughs> and the experiences that don't go so well also provide insight into your likes and dislikes and are valuable for self-understanding. So be brave, be bold and believe in yourself. And I look back to my own sort of self-development journey and um, I really recognize as well that I learned an awful lot about myself sometimes by doing things that weren't really aligned with me, doing jobs I didn't particularly like, perhaps hanging out with people that probably weren't the best sort of match for me. You know, it was, it's all really good learning and it's by, you know, only by dipping our toe into the colorful kind of life that is out there that we start to learn more about ourselves. So be brave, be bold, and there is a world waiting for you. So it's so normal to struggle with identity. It's so normal to struggle in this quasi recovery period as you recover from an eating disorder. But stay firm on the recovery road and know that the journey ahead can be both an exhilarating and an adventurous one. So good luck and I'll just say to you, it is worth it. It's so much better to take the little baby steps rather than be looking back in years to come with regrets of staying in that kind of safe but very sort of fearful zone. So that's a bit contradictory, isn't it? But you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. 
If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. I have got quite a long waiting list at the moment for individual therapy, but you might be interested in my online course. I've got a code on my website at the moment. If you go to my homepage, the eating disorder therapist.co.uk, and you can get 50% off my course. My course has 29 lectures, 25 videos. It's a great, sorry, the cat just scratched me. Bruce, <laughs> it is a great insight into um, the way I work. <laughs> and um, yes, so if you want a bit of a taste of how I work, um, it can be a really good way in. And also in that course, I cover so many of the things that I would cover in the therapy room. But of course, that's probably only going to suit you if you um, embrace online learning, if you like watching videos, if you um, are sort of self-motivated to kind of and self-reflective to be able to sort of like in engage in some of that content. But if you're someone who really gets on well with that kind of info, I would really recommend it. Thank you as well for all the really lovely comments um, and feedback I got on the podcast. I get so many nice messages every week. Really, really appreciate it so much. Um, I cannot believe that the podcast is reaching so many people around the world. So thank you everyone who is listening. Um, and I'd be so grateful as well if you follow, rate and review because it really helps the podcast reach so many more listeners. So thanks again for listening. I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.